You're back with Encounter with God. This is Faith FM. And before we begin our Bible study for the day, we have another clue for the quiz. Yes, indeed. Hope we you do. know your New Testament books very well. Okay, so. What book am I? This is a what book am I? Mm-hmm. I'm going to read you a quote from this book. Okay. Okay. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Okay, so this is a book that is all about the gospel. It probably has more references to the, it does have more references to the gospel per capita than any other book in the Bible. The second most uh, number of references all together of any other book in the Bible. So it's all about the gospel and it's about a group of people who had left the gospel and here... A uh, group of people, you know, whether it's me or an angel from heaven, preaches any other gospel, mm-hmm. let him be accursed. It is strong language right there about false gospels being preached. It's very strong language. And you can give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. If you know where this strong language is coming from, which book, we're going to send you the prize. And don't forget, you can always be one or two clues ahead if you watch our Insta story on Instagram. And on the, sorry. Which is Faith FM Live. That's our handle. On the breakfast show earlier in the year, we were studying this book. That is true. I was thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. We were. We were indeed. Mm-hmm. We have a very exciting encounter with God today, Lyle. Okay. So you know how we were talking about breakfast earlier? We're going to point some fingers, but yes, go on. And you know how we said that you should have your bigger meal in the morning and your lighter meal in the evening? Mm, yes. Because you eat all of your energy food in the morning to get you through the day and then you eat your light food in the evening, which digests easily and you can sleep on. Uh-huh. Uh, without adding it on. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to we we're actually going to practice what we preach this morning. I see. So for the breakfast show, uh huh, we're just going to go. We're going to go heavy <laughs> for our encounter with God. Bible study, Revelation chapter thirteen, uh, the Antichrist, the Beast. We're going to identify who this is. Get your fingers out. This is going to be one time where it's okay to point fingers. We're going to find out who it is and point some fingers. All right. So let's start in Revelation chapter twelve. And Mon, I wonder if you could read for us. Ooh, verse 3, please. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. Verse 4 as well, verse 4. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. Oh, and verse 5. These are all good verses. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. Okay, so let's start from the end of this passage and work our way back. Who is the son who is taken up to God and sits on the throne of God? This is a crazy story. Um the, who sits on the side of the ground? Well, that would have to be Jesus. Okay, so it's Jesus. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All right, so you've got uh, the woman that is ready to give birth, mm-hmm. and you've got a dragon that is going to try and destroy the child as soon as it was born. Is that uh, Mary? Did uh, d- The woman in the Bible always symbolizes the church. Oh, okay. And Mary, of course, was a part of the church. Mm-hmm. So, yes, mm-hmm. Mary, but more specifically, the church that Mary is a part of. Yep, which okay. Is, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the church of Israel before you had the... Um, Christian church. Mm-hmm. 
or you know, in the lead up to that, the foundation of it. Okay, so um, you've got Jesus. The, the, the key thing here is this. Jesus is about to be born, right? Yeah. And there's going to be an attempt on his life at his birth. Isn't that so? Absolutely, yeah. That's very clear. And who's going to make that attempt on his life? Uh, a large red dragon. Large red dragon. And who made an attempt on the life of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who did? Um. Wasn't it Herod? Herod did. Yeah. Is okay, he a so large is, red dragon? Is Herod a large red dragon? That's a very good question. I don't know. Okay, so here's an interesting thing. Who does the dragon symbolize in the Bible? It's the devil, right? Yes, it's For Satan. Sure. Yeah. It's Satan. Okay. So did Satan try and kill Jesus at his birth or did Herod try and do it? Wouldn't it have been Satan through Herod? Satan through Herod, exactly. Yeah, just just the same way when we say something, you know, someone does something good or nice, we say we see Jesus in them. Mm-hmm. And the same way when someone does something evil, you can say you see Satan in them. That's so right. this is Herod. This is Herod. Doing some Satan this antics. This is Satan doing things through Herod. Okay, gotcha. Now, do you typically see Satan you know, walking up and down the street creating havoc? No. No. <laughs> Thank goodness. Satan works through mm-hmm. people that he... Um, that that associate with him. Yeah. His servants, and Herod was his servant. Mm-hmm. Herod was somebody who had given his life to serve Satan, and so Satan was working through him. Satan also works through nations and empires. Okay, yep. Uh, when they are evil uh, in nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's another question then. What does an animal symbolize in the Bible? Uh, any animal? Yeah, when it's used symbolically. What does a, a beast symbolise? Because the Bible calls them beasts, but that's old English. We just say an animal today. Well, they're alive, so and people are alive. So mm. is it like people? Nope. Go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 has our answer. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 17. Uh, flick, 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 May flick. I read that? Yes, please. Daniel seven seventeen. These four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. Thank you. So what does a beast symbolize? So it's a kingdom. And is a dragon a beast? Yes. So therefore the dragon symbolizes a kingdom. Ooh. That Satan is working through Ooh. to destroy Jesus Christ. Okay, got it. And we know that Herod was a part of that kingdom. Uh huh. And what kingdom was ruling the world when Herod was a part of that kingdom? Wasn't it the Romans? It was Imperial Rome. Ooh, okay. Okay, so the dragon in Revelation chapter 12 symbolizes Satan working through Imperial Rome to destroy Jesus. Wow. Okay. Okay, that's a really important point. Now, notice that the dragon has how many heads and how many crowns and he how has many horns seven seven heads and yeah. 10 horns uh-huh. with seven crowns on his heads okay so he has seven heads 10 horns mm-hmm. seven crowns on his heads right does that mean he has seven crowns on each head or seven crowns total seven crowns total okay all yeah. right seven crowns total all right now we go to the next chapter revelation chapter 13 Mm-hmm. Because Revelation 13 is going to talk about the dragon and a new beast. Oh, okay. So Revelation 13, and just wonder if you could read for us verse 1. Then I saw a beast rising out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. Each And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. Okay, so is this the same creature? It sounds very similar. It sounds very similar, Seven doesn't heads, it? Seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns. Ah, uh, there's a difference. Mm, there is a difference. Ten Can, crowns, not yeah. seven crowns. And where are the crowns? The, on the horns, before they're ah, on the heads. Ah, before they're on the heads, now they're on the horns. Yeah. 
Okay. And they had writing on the heads. That's right. The writing of blasphemy. This is, not, this is also a bad beast. So this is a religious beast because, you know, it's not just, you know, it has a very, very, uh, uh, very much a, um, a religious agenda if you're going to be blaspheming. Mm-hmm. Okay, now read for me verse 2 and you'll find how very different this one actually is. It sounds similar in verse 1, but in verse 2 it's like way different. This beast looked like a leopard. Okay, stop right there. What did the one, last one look like? A dragon. Yeah. This one looks like a, a big what? red dragon, a large red dragon. This one looks like a leopard. Mm-hmm. But it had the feet of a bear. That's weird. And the mouth of a lion. That's uh, even stranger. Well, maybe not on a leopard. I think that's, that's kind of okay. weird. We could do a face swap, you know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it had like the, the mane, you know, the big lion mane on there. That's yep. weird. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and a throne and great authority. Okay. So, so they're like colluding. They are colluding together. Okay, so the dragon is helping out the leopard by giving him power and throne and great authority. That's exactly right. He's kitted him out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's what is taking place right here. Okay, so we have Andrada Phillips from Lara has just answered the clue for the quiz. Oh. And she has, her guess is the book of... Galatians. Oh, Andrada, you have it correct. Well done and congratulations. We're going to send you a Soyan Eastern CD. Good on you. Stay tuned for tomorrow. You can have another quiz and we can all have another guess at that one. Fantastic. Well done. Congratulations. Okay, so back to where we were and we were talking about this second beast which looks a lot like the first beast, has a lot of the same similarities but then has some vastly different ones. Mm -hmm. By the way, have you ever seen one of these? Yeah, no. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I have a panic attack if I saw something like that. Yes, if you saw one of these, Mon, we, we, would, um, we would get some help for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. You're too kind. Some ve- we send some very nice people around <laughs> who um, drive one of those little vans, all mm-hmm. pink on the inside. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Padded and so forth. <laughs> yeah, they sure. take you away to a place where there was lots of you know, uh-huh, just uh-huh. friendly people. It does sound with. crazy, I have to admit. Clearly symbolic. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So we have something here, a creature that is clearly symbolic, another beast, and a beast symbolises what? A kingdom. A kingdom. So we've got mm. two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. And the first kingdom we know is Satan working through Imperial Rome uh-huh. and is giving to this second kingdom a number of things. What three things does he give to this kingdom in the end of verse two? His own power and throne <coughs> excuse me, and throne and great authority. Okay, so his power, his throne, and his authority. And we looked at this briefly last last week, how that this is a counterfeit of Jesus Christ because the Father gave to Jesus his power, his throne, and his authority. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, somebody here who is vicariously acting as Christ, mm-hmm. standing in the place of. Vicarious means in the place of. Okay, so this is... That's a clue, by the way. Oh, no, we have we all an extended quiz this morning. Yeah, yeah. Who is who is who is the beast that is spoken of here? Yeah, actually, actually, there's, cool. a, there's there's three beasts here because there's the one in chapter twelve, then there's the there's the one that we're studying now, and then there is another one that comes out of the earth at the end of chapter thirteen, and we're going to get to that one as we go through this week as well. Okay, so we have one beast who gave another beast his power. Yeah. So, so if you're not have, if you're not a part of the first one, you might be a part of the second one. We, right, we don't, we don't yeah. want to leave anybody out here. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, or they might be part of the third one. So, so you have you have basically a kingdom who is lending its power to another kingdom. 
giving, bequeathing might be the right word. Okay. Bequeathing its power, its throne and its authority to another kingdom. So it's almost like an alliance, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Like an alliance. Okay, so what do we got next? Uh, verse 3, chapter 13 and verse 3. And we know what the first kingdom is. That's, imperial, that's Satan working through Imperial Rome. Mm-hmm. So you simply have to ask your question, who did Imperial Rome give their power, their seat and their authority to? Uh, as in like historically what came next? Historically, who did, they historically who did they bequeath their power, their throne and their authority to? Ooh. <laughs> We're going to look at some history. I love history so much. Okay, 13 verse 3. Yes. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. Okay, this is fascinating. What you're going to find if you study deeper into this beast, and unfortunately here on the radio we don't have time to go into all the depths of it, but if you would like to know really, really deep in Bible in, in, in depth Bible study on this one, give us a call because one 800 or text us on 0491-064-669 or send us a message on Facebook and we can connect you with someone or a course that you can do so that you can learn more about the history and the details involved in this particular beast right here. However, mm-hmm. it has seven heads. Mm-hmm. These heads are not simultaneous. Oh. They are consecutive. They come one at a time. Oh, okay. Okay, so even though you can see them all the time, there's only one that's controlling at a time. And so if one of these heads has a deadly wound, Mm -hmm. then we have to ask ourselves the question, what's going to happen to the beast? If you get a fatal wound in your head, Mm. what are your chances of survival? Well, it's fatal, isn't fatal, it? Fatal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a silly question, wasn't it? You are going to die. But, the, but you know, this, this uh, verse 3 keeps going. It says the fatal wound was healed. Yes. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. Okay, so if you saw an animal <clears throat> that was shot straight through the head, uh-huh, yeah. you'd expect it to just drop, bang, Absolutely. dead on the ground. Absolutely. Nerves shake a little bit, but it's gone. Uh-huh. Uh, this one receives a deadly wound straight through the head, and what happens? It's healed. It's healed. And all the world, it catches the attention, notice that, of mm. all the world. They're all marvelling at this particular creature. Mm-hmm. Oh, this prophecy's already been fulfilled. Oh, it has? Oh, you've got no idea. There just some cool information I'm going to share with you. Okay, what do they do as a result? They, Verse four. They they are uh, they marvel at the miracle and give allegiance to the beast and then they worship the dragon for giving the beast such power and they also worship the beast who is as great as the beast they exclaimed who is able to fight against him. So what's the issue that comes up here? Worship. The issue is worship, and of course we know that this is the issue at the end of time. Revelation 13 mentions the issue of worship over and over and over again. Worship is central to everything at the end of time. Who do you worship? Do you know what defines who you worship? What? It's not what you claim. Mm-hmm. Because you can claim, oh, I worship Jesus Christ, or I worship you know, this person or that person or another person or whoever it might be. Mm-hmm. It's what you actually do. That's true. Actions speak louder than words. It is... Who you obey is who you recognize as being greatest in your life. Wow. Okay. Yep. So you can say, I worship Jesus Christ and obey the beast. Mm-hmm. And if you are obeying the beast, you are acknowledging that the beast is more powerful than Jesus Christ because that's who you are obeying. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty profound. It is. <clears throat> it makes you think about how it is you live your life. 
Mm. Yeah, it causes you to self-examine who am I obeying, you know, because we could worship ourselves, you know. Yeah. Do what we want to do. We say we worship Jesus, we say we follow him, but then, you know, we don't follow his commandments, we follow our own commandments because they're not convenient to follow his. So, yeah. And that's why I is the middle letter of sin. That's right, yeah. You know, ourselves. And this is why Paul speaks about dying to self, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, self is self is what gets us into trouble all the time. The worst thing you can ever do is to be true to yourself. You need to die to self and live for Jesus Christ. Be true to Jesus Christ, not to yourself. Myself, I get myself into trouble all the time. All the time. Jesus has never ever got me into trouble. Amen. All right, where were we up to? We were uh, talking about the deadly wound and we were talking about worship. The whole world is now worshiping okay, okay, this beast. Okay, verse 4. Verse 4 gives a time period in relationship to this particular beast. Verse 5, sorry. Verse 5. Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God and he was given authority to do, to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. Huh, how long is that? Like three and a half years. That's, that's in biblical time. Mm-hmm. It's exactly three and a half years because in biblical time, a biblical year, you can find this in the book of Genesis, is exactly three hundred and sixty days long. Oh, the month being exactly thirty days long. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, Jews, you know, Karaite Jews and so forth, who keep the biblical year um, every four years, they have an extra month that they add in so that they can resync their calendar. Oh. Yeah, that's an interesting system, that. but it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of different calendars around the world that use different systems, and this is uh, this is one that uses the biblical 360 day year, and it works. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so you've got this uh, you've got this whole system here of um, of uh, three and a half years, mm-hmm. 360 days to a year, which adds up to you can calculate this on your phone if you like exactly 1,260 days in total. 1,260 days. What does a day symbolize in Bible <coughs> prophecy? A year. A day symbolizes a year. So this is a very long period of time, isn't long. it? long, yeah, yeah. 1,260 years. And during this particular time, he's going to do great things and blasphemies, and he's going to persecute God's people. The Bible says in verse 6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and those that live in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. That sounds like a dark period. It does indeed. Ah, I saw what you did there. I saw what you did there. What did you do there, Mon? Well, this is this is referring to the Dark Ages. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the Dark Ages right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well done. Thanks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got the Dark Ages. The Bible actually predicted the Dark Ages. A lot of people don't realize that. But, you know, from the uh, from 476, which is the fall of the Roman Empire, which is the end of the ancient history, mm-hmm. you have the Dark Ages that then carry you through to 1798, exactly 1260 years, and the Industrial Revolution, which brings in the modern era. Mm-hmm. And essentially that is how history is divided up. Ancient history, medieval history, modern history, and medieval history is also known as the Dark Ages because humanity went backwards during that time. Absolutely. They crept back into superstition and into, you know, a lot of the science and the knowledge that had been gathered by the, you know, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Romans, the Greeks was lost mm-hmm. during this particular time period and, you know, it, the world was a very dark place. Okay, so we have here predict so, so then we have to ask ourselves this question. We know what the first beast is. That is Imperial Rome. Mm-hmm. 
Satan working through Imperial Rome to destroy Jesus, and then we next have to ask ourselves the question, who did Imperial Rome give their power to, their throne to, and their authority to? Who then ruled over the world for the next 1,260 years, after which it received a deadly or a fatal wound that was miraculously healed. We know that a beast symbolizes a nation, so we are looking for a state, a nation here. We're going to be back to talk more about this in just a moment, but this is Crossway. Took it all away. Of devastation Left so confused That it paralyzed my prayers And unexpected pain Tore my heart into pieces And just left my faith Hanging there But I rose up from the ashes of my despair And with the strength I stood and I declared That if you took it all away Every gift you ever gave The sun that shines in my days The stars that you display
listening to Crossaway. Took it all away here on Faith FM. We're back here with our encounter with God, a rather heavy subject for you all this morning. Mm-hmm. But Mon, was there ever a nation that Imperial Rome gave their power, their throne and their authority to that actually bequeathed it to them legally that is still in existence today? A nation that Imperial Rome gave its power to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Even the titles of its emperors was passed on to it. Hmm. I don't and know. It still exists today. Yes. Well, actually, the answer is very, very simple. It was the Vatican. Oh. Let me show you a little bit of history behind it, how that actually took place. Uh, when Constantine came to power in the early 300s, he moved the, the, the capital of the empire or the seat of the empire from the city of Rome to the city of Constantinople. Mm-hmm. So he was a, uh, he, he was a secular pagan uh, emperor who made Christianity the state religion and moved the capital of the empire over to the city of Constantinople that he named after himself or renamed after himself. We also call it Istanbul or Byzantium. Yeah. And having done so, of course, that left the city of Rome, which had ruled over the world for about 400 years, uh, in a bit of a vacuum. And there was a power vacuum there. And so Western Europe sort of collapsed. It fell apart. Initially, it fell apart into 10 separate nations. There are 10 horns in the beast, remember? Oh, okay. Mm, yeah, yeah. Sneaky. And, uh, and so the emperors who are now in the east decided they had to do something to stabilize the west and at the same time as all this was going on, there was a big dispute happening about who was the number one bishop that was in the world. And so by this time, Emperor Justinian has come to power and he decrees that, uh, so he solves both problems at once. He decrees that uh, the, em- the, the, sorry, the, the bishop of Rome is the number one uh, bishop in the world and gives to him political power. Oh. The problem was, so the decree was made in 533. Mm-hmm. The problem was that the Ostrogoths were ruling in the city of Rome and they were they were electing their own bishops. Uh, they were putting their own people in power and so he had to send his general, Belisarius, who drove the Ostrogoths out of Rome. Wait, who were the Ostrogoths? They were uh, probably ancient relatives of yours. Okay, all right. Yes, uh, kind of like a bit Germanic. Ah, I see, I see, yeah, I see. Goths. So they're a group of people essentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they don't exist anymore. Oh. Yeah, they were wiped out. They never, they, they never ever recovered from uh, Justinian's attacks on them. Okay, okay. But he drives them out of the city of Rome mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the year 538. Uh, of course, the Ostrogoth uh, bishop was taken off the throne, or the Ostrogoth pope, we might say, was taken off the throne, and uh, Justinian had his man placed there, and the uh, other uh, bishop was then executed. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, this was, it was uh, kind of bloodthirsty. This was how things happened in the day. And so what they did was, what Imperial Rome did was, he gave to the Bishop of Rome, he gave him the seat or the throne Mm -hmm. of the emperors. Mm -hmm. He gave him the power and authority of the emperors Mm -hmm. through this particular decree. And they are still there today. And of course, the Imperial Roman emperors were called Pontifex Maximus. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, we still refer to the pontiff today. That's amazing. This is some, some very interesting history. Okay, so the question that people ask me at this particular point is like, oh, wow, that sounds really bad. Does that mean all Roman Catholics are lost? What do you think, Mon? No. No, of course no. not. We are lost or saved by our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is just history. And, of course, this is not the only beast here in the book of Revelation. Does it mean that, okay, because uh, the first beast symbolizes Satan working through imperial Rome, were all Roman citizens lost? 
Mm-hmm. No. Because Paul was a Roman citizen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's another beast coming up that we're going to be talking about later on in the week, which is the United States. Does that mean that my wife is automatically lost because she's a part of the United States? She's, no. she's American, for those yeah, who might no. be wondering. No, of course not. Especially because that isn't necessarily something you can control, you know, where yeah. you're born and, you know, which nation you, know, you, yeah. you have citizenship to. So. Yeah. Okay, so this is all about our relation. Salvation is about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We may need to make that very, very clear. But we also need to recognize how history has fulfilled Bible prophecy. That's true. Because the Bible then goes on to say that this particular nation, the Vatican, would have power over the world and would rule for 1,260 years, after which it would receive a deadly wound, after which that deadly wound would be healed. So it basically ruled during the Dark Ages. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, the height of the the height of the Roman Catholic uh, power was the. Um, there's an inverse relationship between the darkness of the Dark Ages and the heightness of and and the, and the power that uh, Rome was wielding mm-hmm. during this particular time here. And really, what that comes down to, you know, it doesn't matter whether it is um, Roman Catholic, Protestant, Islamic, um, Buddhist, or Hindu. Whenever you get a union of church and state, you get Dark Ages. Oh, it's that simple. Wow. Okay. That's why God said that these two things, church and state, were to be kept separate from each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we can talk about the Roman Catholic Church here, but we could talk about Protestant evangelical churches. We could talk about you know Islam and other places. Wherever you've got a union of religion and politics together, you have a disaster, and that's what we had during the Dark Ages. That's what caused the Dark Ages. So it was a was a major mistake. Religions should never be allowed to lead a nation. They should not be allowed to no, be no, yeah. no, absolutely not. In the, in, in the Constitution of ancient Israel, the king could never be the priest. And the priest could never be the king. Mm-hmm. They were two separate roles that you know, completely separate from each other. And I think you know, and, and God said, you know, don't let them be together. Don't you know, don't yeah. let church and state unite. And I think this is often where people, you know, because this is a valid argument. A lot of people say, I, I, I don't want anything to do with religion because religion has caused so many wars. And it's true. And it's true because um, because they've disobeyed God and they've married church and state. Exactly. And if they'd kept it separate. It wouldn't have been such exactly. a bloody historically. Christianity yeah. has Christianity has the history of more violence than any other religion that has ever existed, mm-hmm. and that violence has been driven by a union of church and state. And Christianity doesn't have excuse because it is the one religion that actually has a religious text that tells us over and over and over again that church and state are not to be united. Amen. You know, within Islam, they have a text that says no, you know, they should be united. Mm-hmm. So at least they've got an excuse for doing it. Yeah. But Christianity has no excuse whatsoever at all, and we should never have become involved in it, and we shouldn't be involved in it now. It's flying in the face of God. It is very mm-hmm. much so. Okay. Okay. So where are we up to? We were talking. Oh, the twelve hundred sixty years begins in five thirty eight because that's when political power was first given to the Bishop of Rome, mm-hmm. um, and he was given the title of the Pontiff and so forth from the Imperial Roman Emperors. If you go from five thirty eight. Oh, by the way, the decree was made in 533. It came into effect in 538. Okay. So if you go from 533 and you go 1,260 years, guess what you find happening? Um, The end of it? Another decree is made to end it. Okay. But that decree doesn't come into effect until 1798. Well, so you can uh, this is this is this is freaky right here, right? So uh-huh, this is, uh-huh. You can date it from five thirty three uh-huh. to seventeen ninety three. That's twelve hundred and sixty years oh. from the from the decree to the decree. Yeah. You can date it from five thirty eight to seventeen ninety eight, which is the decree coming into effect to the decree coming into effect. Uh huh. 
Which is? So both ways will give you um, the fulfillment of the prophecy. But wow. the most dramatic fulfillment, of course, is 1798 because the decree was made by the French government mm-hmm. to do away with the Vatican government or the papal states as they were then known. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Napoleon was in charge and it wasn't in his political interest and Napoleon always did what he felt like doing and didn't take a whole lot of notice of what the French parliament said. And he was camped in northern Italy in 1797 and they were like, go down there, take him, take, you know, get rid of the, get rid of the, the, the papacy, you know, and all this kind of thing. He's like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. And if he had obeyed, the prophecy would have failed by one year. Oh, really? But God knows the future. And he knows it exactly. And in 1798, in January, just as the year was beginning, there was a riot in Rome. One of uh, Napoleon's relatives-to-be was killed and Napoleon went down there and ended the uh, papal government. So there's some history for you, but let's focus our attention on Jesus Christ because that is where we find salvation uh, as we go through this day. This is the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Mine eyes have seen the glory Of the coming of the Lord He is trampling out the vintage Where the grapes of wrath are stored He hath loosed the fateful lightning Of his terrible swift sword His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. beauty of the lilies Christ was born across the sea with the glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy let us let us make men free while God is marching Glory, glory, hallelujah Glory, glory, hallelujah Glory, glory, hallelujah His truth is marching on His truth is That was Battle Hymn of the Republic, and uh, we're going to... Well, we don't have another clue to give I know, and clues. it feels weird, doesn't it, having someone who's clever and uh, and who gets the clue earlier in the show, because then you don't have any clues to read out. Yeah, I just keep keep feeling like we should be reading out a clue. Okay, so does... How does... Oh, sorry. The question of the day that has come in is this one. Does God speak to people? What do you think, Mon? That's a very good question. That's what I think. Has Mon ever... Uh, sorry, has God ever spoken to Mon? He speaks to me every day. Okay. Through the Bible. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. How else? 
uh, when we talk in prayer. I mean, I don't okay. audibly hear a voice. Okay. How do, you, how do you hear the voice of God? Explain. I think the most common way is through the Bible because that's what he said is his way of communicating with us. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. read the Bible and um, you study the Bible out, you know, and you, and you memorize it, hold it close to your heart. And, uh, you know, if you, I, I, you know, obviously I'm going to think about when, um, you know, when you, when you read about guidance in the Bible, yeah. you know, and you, so you're thinking about doing something about the day and you remember what the Bible says about something. Mm-hmm. And that's how God communicates to you. What about your conscience? Absolutely. Your uh, conscience so is the voice of God. Yeah, I guess that's what I was <laughs> trying to refer to. Well, the Bible and the conscience work hand in hand, don't they? Yes. Because the Bible reveals to you um, the reasons why what your conscience is telling you is the case. And some people would say their conscience is the Holy Spirit. Very much so. The mm-hmm. conscience is the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. God speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit is God. Yep. Has God ever spoken to you audibly? No. Has God ever spoken to you through signs? No. What about a fleece? I've never had to put a fleece out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. How about okay, you? So, well, there are a number of ways that God speaks to us. And, uh, you know, for me, I, if you'd have asked me, does God speak to you? I would have said yes. And you would ask me, what's the primary way? I would have said conscience. Okay. And the reason I would have said that is because I read my Bible in the morning um, and in the evening, but um, it's through the day that God speaks to me through my conscience. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And so that's probably the direction that I would have gone with that. But as you say, the two go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, your conscience speaks to you and says that's wrong. The Bible then tells you why it's wrong, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is very important. But uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we will read right here because God does speak in a number of different ways. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, God, who at different times and in different ways spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Mm. So does God speak to you by the prophets? Yes. Because the words of the prophets have been written down, right? Exactly. And of course, um, if you are in the presence of somebody who has the gift of prophecy right now, then God can speak directly to you in that manner. Mm -hmm. Uh, You will find the biblical pattern is that there are typically not millions and millions of prophets. You'll have one or two uh, but usually just one who has a lifetime calling uh, to the gift of prophecy and who ministers to God's people for a set period of time. And that's the, the the biblical model that you'll have in the Bible. So God will often speak through his prophets the gift of prophecy. And I guess that's what the gift of prophecy is. It's, it's really being a messenger for God. Um, what about Peter? Peter talks about... Peter talks about I think it's in First Peter. Let me go to First Peter real quick. See if I can find this passage over here. If you have a question, by the way, you can give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. We love answering questions, and we have a special segment every day for question of the day. Let me see if I can squeeze this one in. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, uh, knowing that this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any inter- private interpretation, for prophecy did not come in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So God speaks to us in many, many different ways. We just need to practice listening to the voice of God. Mm, amen. Listening and obeying. We're going to have a song. This is Keith and Christy. Christ 
That was was Keith and Kristen Getty, the power of the cross here on Faith FM. Hey, Mon, before we give something away. Hi, my name is Luca. I go to Townsville Seventh-day Adventist Church. We would love to have you join us on Saturday at 9.30 for Sabbath School Kids Program and then the main service at 10.45 a.m. For more information, Google Seventh-day Adventist Church, Townsville City. G'day and welcome back to the show. <laughs> did, did, did I just mess that up right then? It's, we actually have that ad playing somewhere else in the show now, but I think today for some reason it's back in the old spot, which is <laughs> where off. we, without fail, stuff it up every oh, single time. So. Why is that so? It's always at the end of the show. But anyway, I was going to tell you about something that you should yes. you need to do, Mon. So okay, for, yes. those, for, for the listeners who are listening in, you, what you don't see is that Mon um, is, the, is the, the epitome of multitasking. She eats her <laughs> breakfast, she knits, she crochets. She does all kinds of stuff while she's here on the radio. Brushes her toes, fixes my nails. <laughs> Does I all brush my that? toes? I meant brush my hair and fix my toes. <laughs> <laughs> Mon, there's a there's a competition you need to go in. Oh, there's a competition? Yes, yes. here in the Hunter Valley. Ow. Mm-hmm. Here's how it goes. It's a knitting competition. Ooh. Yes, to knit a jumper. You get to knit a jumper. Okay. All right, so what you do... Is so I, I heard about this and I'm like, yes, this is this is completely up Mon's alley. Yeah. Um, because I know how much you love knitting. Yeah. You got a, like four hours. Can you do, do, do a jumper in four hours? You reckon? Oh, I reckon I could. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what you do is you 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 go into the competition. The first thing you got to do is shear the sheep. <laughs> Lyle. The second thing is you get the wool off the sheep and you spin it into wool, <laughs> yep. and then you take that wool and you knit it into a jumper and submit it at the end. Okay, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, no worries. You wouldn't happen to have a spare sheep lying around, would you, somewhere? I think they provide the sheep. Oh, mercy, Lyle, that's hilarious. <laughs> Maybe we could do this as a joint effort because I have no idea how to shear a sheep or spin yarn. It can't be that hard. It's just like shaving, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, shaving a squirmy animal that doesn't really want to be a shave. No, no, sheep aren't like that. Sheep are like they'll squirm for a bit and then when you hold them, they're like, they give up, like, oh, I give up. Yeah, I think I think the holding them creatures. whilst having a giant pair of sharp things in my hand simultaneously would be be my undoing. I think there'd be more blood around than a wall. Ah, there you go. Anyway, but we want to give something away. What are we, we are going to give something away. We are going to give away. We're talking about inner revelation in this study and we're going to continue talking about revelation oh, very interestingly enough. Awesome. Winds of Revelation by yeah, I know Cox. you love this book. It's called yeah, yeah, yeah. Four Winds of Revelation and it is indeed by Kenneth Cox. We're going to give this away for free. Just give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call. It's an amazing book. Um, Kenneth Cox examines what the Bible says about you know revelation, the crisis we're facing, um, all the different things happening in revelation. If you want more, if you just love the study today, Give us a call. Get this book. Okay, so don't forget if you would like to know more about the Bible, we love to connect people with Bible studies. So we can connect you with a one-on-one study, a small group study, a correspondence study. However you would like to study the Bible, give us a call and we will make it happen for you. Uh, So 1-800-324-843 is our number or 0491-064-669. And right now, stay tuned. We have some amazing programming coming up right now. After this, Sing to my heart. 
changing my